In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 289. That's right. We are covering the last two issues of Fracture. Uh, that would be Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps issues 24 and 25. Mark's taking 24. I'm taking 25. Uh, so go ahead, Mark. Take it away. All righty then. Let's, let's get to the actual creative team here. This, uh... This part is called Dead Legacy. Uh, Robert Venditti, of course, the writer. Van Skyver, the artist. Jason Wright, colorist. Dave Sharp, letterer. Pretty much so nothing really changes here. Uh, the cover of Van Skyver and Wright. The variant cover, Kevin Nolan. And the editors all remain the same. Uh, that, one's for, that one's for you, Chad. <laughs> I usually just go, I don't know. Or just don't even recognize them at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, usually that is true. The usual suspects. <laughs> Okay, so we begin basically in flashback mode in Sector 2265. They, re- they re-lean asteroid belt. And basically this is where we get the play-by-play for what actually happened when uh, Tomar, Tomar Ray there uh, found Romat Rue and tried to bring him in. And we, we kind of get the conversation between the two of them, which, of course, you kind of were dead, re- dead on about predicting kind of why Tomar um, decided to off Romat instead of bringing him in, kind of. And Romat, of course, it didn't help Romat's cause, if you will, because he was kind of taunting Tomar about, yeah, I've been in science cells before. We know what's going to happen. I'm going to get out, and you know, the, you know, the children, the children will be waiting. That's kind of enough to push Tomar over the edge. So Tomar just kind of fries him, which is kind of a cool scene. Especially I like the, I like the these the panel, the scarred skeleton of of Romat, and then you see Tomar standing over him, almost like it's. Almost like a double image kind of thing. I kind of, I kind of like that. Uh, so we we have the conversation between Tomar and uh, what's his name? I know it's here somewhere. Phantasm M, who is his his new sector partner, and we see Tomar encasing uh, Romat's ring in, in his green energy sphere so he doesn't go find a sentient replacement. And we have very, very appropriate words by, uh, by, but Phantasm or whatever there, telling him, telling Romat that, uh, that these, uh, that his actions are going to haunt him. You don't quite understand how much this is going to weigh on you. It's not just a matter of what you've done today, but it's going to haunt you. And while all this is taking place, we get that adorable little, little space imp there, <laughs> watching the whole thing. Kind of fortuitous that he was just there on that planet, wasn't it? <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, but he's so damn cute. <laughs> with with the complete lack of expression on his face, or more like 
what the hell just happened? <laughs> so now we flash forward to current continuity where Hal has just walked in on to- on Tomar, who is you know sweating, doing everything he can to try to contain uh, Romat's ring, and and this is when pretty much it all becomes clear to Hal what's what's going on. And John shows up at this point because in the last issue we actually he plugged in the space imp and got the instant replay that we just saw. John kind of makes it clear that you know you, you have to that Tomar it doesn't matter that you're sorry you have to hand over the ring. John try, excuse me Hal tries to step in and, and point out that hey you know we are talking about Romat Rue a, a, a child killer here. You know there has to be an ex. And John kind of says it doesn't really matter at the end of the day the Vildarian space imp was you know witnessed all this. Romat Rue cho- chose a science cell, and Tomar lit him up. I said Tomar already. I meant Tomar too before, by the way. Uh, uh, and and you know, he's, I like that look in Hal's face when you know first like just like complete complete denial. Then he says like, it's, "There's no way. There's got to be an explanation for it." And and to- Tomar too there just doesn't. He just doesn't care anymore. In a way, he's kind of broken. He he feels horrible for what he's done. And you know he knows the law is the law, so he takes the ring off his finger, and he and he surrenders the ring. Interestingly enough, as as he does that, the little the green energy box that he was holding uh, Romat's ring in, that it fades away. But instead of finding another bearer, the ring just basically deactivates and falls on the floor, and nobody quite can figure out why exactly that's going on. Uh, I do kind of feel bad for Tomar here when he's kind of like on his knees, like you know, point, going to John. You know how how sorry he is. Now we cut to the more interesting. Not that that wasn't interesting, and it's drawn very well. Hal looks really good, especially in this uh, part of the book. But now we cut to the, the a little more, slightly more interesting part of this book. We see Sora flying, flying, uh, out of basically where she was last. You know, doing the autopsy, finishing the autopsy last issue on, but uh, Sarko. And she's flying by Ayalande there, who asks her, "Hey, you want, I'm going to the arena. You want to, you know, want to want to have a workout?" And pretty much, she blows Sora. Um, Sora blows her off. Kyle's sitting under a tree on Mogo there, doing some sketch work. And Kyle, being Kyle, kind of in a way, kind of being a little cocky there too. Where, Even before I look, I know it's you. That has to mean something, right? And then we have Sora hovering in the air, arms behind her back, in the sl- classic Sinestro pose. <laughs> And Kyle's like, did you think more about what I asked you, which was to basically give up being a yellow and go back to being a green? And we see, you know, Sora opens her hand and we see that Green Lantern ring, which looks just like Kyle's, actually. Uh, that Kyle had kind of offered her last last issue. She takes the ring in her hand. She just she cracks it. She destroys it. And Cora, excuse me, Sora goes, you should have told me with a huge... Boom! There in the sky, it's like we had a son, and now Kyle realizes, oh, I screwed up again. Now we get to the, we cut back to the science cells, where John basically is checking to see if anybody's talked to Bolfunga, and Vaz, being Vaz, kind of involuntarily gives away some really imp- pertinent information about the fact that you know that uh, everything, you know, kind of everything's going crazy. You know, the first Thornix in the morgue, now you down in the hole. Everybody's telling me to take a, take a basic get out of Dodge so they can do whatever they want to do. And John's kind of confused by this. He's like, what was, what was Sora doing in the morgue? And he's like, ah, not autopsy on Sarko. Uh, wouldn't say why. John goes to talk to Bolfunga, and basically here John makes it clear that both to Bolfunga that your plan 
whatever plans you were using or you plan that you had to kind of like use this to your advantage is not really going to work. The rest of your crew pretty much has been captured. They're also all going to know that you tried to cut a deal with the Green Lantern Corps uh, for your own freedom. And more or less, he just Bullfunga has kind of like been notified that, hey, I'm more. John says, you know, more or less, yeah, I'm going to deal with this head on related to uh, uh, Tomar. So you're not really going to, you're not going to blackmail us and you're also not getting out. So more or less, just kind of <laughs> enjoy your time behind bars. <laughs> now back to Sora and Kyle. And, you know, Kyle's like, oh, I, I really like that, that, that panel with the, the huge shadow. Coming off a, coming off a of Kyle, but it's kind of appropriate because of you know the, all the stuff that Kyle's like trying to protect and not being straightforward is just kind of the disproportionality of that. I kind of I just kind of like because I think it's symbolic. Kyle's like, oh, I tried to tell you, Sora, and you know I felt the, you know the felt the pain of knowing we had a child in the future, you know that and how he became twisted and cruel like your dad was. That was going to be too much, so I tried to protect you, and I, I didn't want to see you hurt. You know, and he offers his hand out to, to to Sora, who slaps it away, and she goes, uh, "You know, I did an autopsy on my own son because of you. You know, I, I saw it into his chest, and you know, she's kind of like preventing herself from throwing up. And you know, in between scanning for contagions and every and everything else, I thought about you. I thought about joining the Green Lantern, you know, being a Green Lantern again. I thought about the future we would have together." You know, I'm a surgeon. I've accepted the violence of what I do, but only this time the corpse I butchered was my was my child. And she and she decks Kyle, knocks him down, and this this is and Sora is really cool here. It's like uh, you know, you lied. Even now you won't be honest with me. It's like it wasn't just about protecting me from your pain. You think you're so selfish, but you're not. It's like it's and you know, this is where Sora. It's like the the beginning of her claiming her birthright, if you will. It's like you forget that I'm a Natu by name, but a Sinestro by blood. Fear is a family gift. It's like I can feel it throbbing inside you, the fear that made you keep your secret. Fear that I wouldn't want to be with you. Fear that I'd be the love you let slip away. You fear a wounded heart. And as she says that, she reaches out with her ring hand and puts it on Kyle's chest and brands Kyle with a Sinestro Corps uh, symbol. And she's like, you can't hide from your own fear, alley rat. And and. Kyle's like basically before he starts fading into unconsciousness, and before he does, she points out that now you'll always remember. Hal, now back, you know, back in uh, Tomar's chambers, Hal's trying to comfort him and try to get more of an explanation. It's like, why didn't you just come to me? You know, I would have tried to help you. And it's like, if you had just admitted everything you had done, and then you wouldn't have got mixed up with Bolfunga because because Tomar was basically being blackmailed by Bolfunga to help him, you know, uh, not. Knock over that uh, planet we saw last last issue, or there are two issues ago. Whenever it was when this arc began, that basically Tomar is you know, some part of Tomar's failings have also been because he's being blackmailed. So he's got he's to keep his his secret. Tomar just admits that you know I, I it isn't your fault, Hal. I didn't I you know I you know I'm glad it's over. You know Phantasm M was right. You know the weight of keeping it hidden was just too much, and. He just, you know, Tomar more or less tells Hal that he just didn't want him, you know, he, he didn't want this stain to be on Hal either. He didn't want him to have to deal with the the stigma. But Hal, as Hal points out, knowing firsthand, you know, there's always redemption, Tomar. I'll be there with you. Uh, now we have, you know, John talks to Salak and, you know, he makes it clear, I want to make an announcement to all sectors. At, at this point, you know, <laughs> Arkillo and, and Guy are having beer and playing cards. 
uh, Kyle comes staggering in, and the first guy thinks he's drunk, and then he realizes that you know Kyle is hurt, and he's branded. Guys like asking like, "Who did this to you?" And Kyle tries to say Sora, but he doesn't get much of it out before he passes out. John addresses pretty much the entire universe and announces that exactly what happened, you know, with Tomar that he basically that he ended up the broke he broke the truce. He killed a, he killed the Yellow Lantern who. And basically, there's going to be a trial. There's going to be a sentence. Right, right on cue, literally like two seconds later, banging on the door of Tomar's chamber are members of the Sinestro Corps. Like, give us the murderer. Next issue. <laughs> it all falls apart. <laughs> um, it's not really a spoiler for the next issue, but just only in the terms of it, it doesn't happen next issue, and next issue is the end of that story. I'm kind of disappointed Guy didn't have more of a part to play in terms of this little robot thing. Oh, the Yimp? Yeah. Because you, you you read it in your recap. What's what's the technology it's based off of? Oh, Voldarian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. That, that, so, that, 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 and again... Even though we know that part of Guy is quote unquote, is, they, they kind of like swept that under the rug. That also could honestly, and I'm not saying it's the case, but it could also be the case of Robert Venditti's the lack of his overall background with Green Lantern before he came on the book, and that was so far before even you know, he, that was years and years before even he came back came on the book. So he that may have been something he didn't wasn't as familiar with, possibly. Not as an excuse, just pointing out that that could just be an example of not. No, I mean, no, I got you. I'm just saying it. It would have been. I don't know what part Guy could have played, but just because Guy has a connection to Voldarians in his past and the fact that this is supposed to be Voldarian-based tech, it would have been cool to see some sort of recognition slash help decoding it with uh, with John in this story. It, it, I mean, it wouldn't even had to been a major part or anything. Just Guy, you know, recognizing it or giving John the key to unlocking it, you know, something to that effect. That that would have been cool. Um, I I did enjoy the art. I did enjoy the you know the justification. It was one of the things I thought would would happen in terms of why Tomar killed Romat. Uh, it did make sense, so that's part of why I was like maybe that's where they're going with it. So at least it wasn't like some half cocked thing. Um, I like the art. Um, it all looks fine to me. Sometimes there's some odd perspective angles, but otherwise I think it's pretty good. Um, and of course you get like subtle things like you were talking about with the shadows, of course the way that Sora is floating in the air, and you get that again in the next issue too. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I just... Whew, do you want to talk about anything else before we get into it? <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to I'm trying to talk because I know we're about to get lost in this. So I'm just about to I'm just trying to figure out if there's anything else in this issue we should talk about before we get into but your into issue. the No 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 into the, the big the big kahuna deal thing <laughs> that happens in this issue. Oh, oh the, the Sora and Kyle thing? Yeah, exactly. Uh I liked I liked the the relationship with Tomar and Hal because they actually have they have a really they have a really interesting or complex relationship because Tom, I mean, obviously Tomar too is Tomar Ray's son and Tomar Ray and Hal were such good friends and also Hal has that relationship with Tomar in his own 
in his own guilt related to Tomar 2 because Tomar 2 was one of the lanterns that he beat down on the way in Emerald Twilight. So he was one of the lost lanterns. So Hal has always, you know, so in a way Hal feels guilt towards what he did to Tomar 2. So that's another reason why, A, he wants to look out for him. And because Tomar has kind of come back to accept him when it, you know, as opposed to being one of the ones. He kind of he kind of was with the group that ostracized Hal, but not as bad as some of the other Lost Lanterns. And also Hal, of all people, Hal knows what it's like to be in a position to need redemption and to be you know thought of as the outcast and someone who did stuff that they shouldn't have done. So I, I really like the underpinnings there between him and, and Tomar. Uh, I... I actually, yeah, in a way, it's, it's kind of sad. This is, probably, in a way, the most other than the issue with the uh, the the Blorfly stuff uh, and the Brainiac stuff. That this is probably the most, and even including that, to be fair, this is probably the most characterization we've got out of Tomar too, maybe ever, in in these in like this issue and a little bit of the next issue. So I did like that, but yes, I mean, clearly, clearly the whole. The key part of this whole issue is related to what's going on between Kyle and Sora because that directly plays into what happens next issue as well. So I guess we probably might as well jump into it. Jump into the issue? Do you want me to jump into the recap of the next issue and then get into the Sora-Kyle stuff? Or yeah, you want to maybe go to you the think Sora so. Kyle I'm, kind of leaning, I'm kind of thinking this time it might not be a bad idea. But what do you think? You think okay. we should do – No, no, that's fine because we do have feedback. It's going to evolve. So – the, the, the Sora stuff is going to dominate this this episode because not only is it stuff that we need to talk about, but we also have feedback that's going to ask us to talk about it even more. So it's going to be a huge part of this episode, so we may as well just save as much of it for one big blast as possible. <laughs> or, or, you know, before we even get into it, you know, I, I, what I can do is I can recap 25. We can talk about all the other aspects of this series except for the Sora and Kyle stuff. Then get into the feedback and then just launch into it if we want. <laughs> but however we want to handle it, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll figure out the best way to plow through it. But yeah, I mean, my, let's 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 just go through twenty five and then we'll go back and we'll talk to, and we'll do in depth analysis. Whatever what needs to be in depth analyzed, <laughs> uh, <laughs> then we'll do that after afterwards. So why don't we do that? Okay, um, so the issue 25, entitled The Long War, writer Robert Venditti, artist Ethan Van Skyver, colorist Jason Wright, letterer Dave Sharp, cover by Van Skyver and Wright, variant cover by Kevin Nolan. Um, so, we open up exactly where we left off. The Sinestro, members of the Sinestro Corps are trying to get at Tomar 2 uh, because of, of the announcement that John made. You know, you, you know, you speak of Green Lantern law. It, you, the Sinestro Corps has their own law. We gotta, you take care of our own and avenge them and blah blah blah. It starts how fighting with these three different Sinestro Corps members. This is when Guy and Arkillo and other uh, lanterns show up behind this. Uh, all these goings on, and Guy is carrying Kyle uh, in his arms, um, and. Guy says, hey, listen up. Somebody bushwhacked this man. He wasn't even in uniform. Burned the Sinestro Corps symbol into his chest back when I was in Baltimore. That's what we call a clue. <laughs> <laughs> and Arkillo says, this cowardly act of defiance of our partnership with the Greenland, this is a cowardly um, – this is this cowardly act is in defiance with of our partnership with the Green Lanterns. 
who will confess who you were warned. On the same ground, I, sa- I said Lord Sinestro is gone. We follow his daughter now, Sorianic Natu, forged with uh, forged an alliance with our old enemies. They were not to be harmed. Was it you who defied me, little dogs? No, our killer is where we're just vengeance gets rolled. Matt Roos killer. We didn't touch the human, and then it was me. I branded Kyle Rayner. And our, it's Sora, and our kill's like, why? She's like, because he hid from all of us the truth. There was another of my bloodline, a direct descendant of my father, Sinestro himself. And Kyle, and Hal's like, what? <laughs> uh, Kyle tries to explain. Sora says, tell everyone Sinestro's descendant is dead because of the acts of the Green Lanterns. Our kill's like, dead? And Sora just like, is this what they call Partnership. One of them murders Romat Rue, and they protect him. Another of them learns of Sinestro's heir and then conceals it from us. What more needs to be revealed? I was wrong. I felt us all. My father was right. The universe is ours. order. I believed in the cause of the Green Lanterns once because I was one of them. They can't succeed. Sinestro was many things. He was never a hypocrite. This alliance is broken, blah, blah, blah. You know, I now take the name I was born with, Sorianic Sinestro. Sinestro, Sinestro, everybody's cheering. John pipes in and says, I think it through. I went public with Tomatur's arrest because people needed to hear it. Don't let all of this be for nothing. You know, she said, uh, Romat says, let them have me, Hal, a life for a life. And Hal's like, not an option. I'm sorry? Tomar, you said Romat. Okay, sorry. Uh, there's nothing more to be said. The Green Lantern Corps has revealed its true nature. My decision's been made. Kyle's like, my God, what am I going to do? And Guy says, hell, Johnny kicked uh, outside his coverage on this one. If it wasn't this, it'd be some other damn thing. Now stop feeling sorry and get your game face on. Hal shouts to the other members. He says, my offer of truce with you still holds. Decide now if you're going to follow her or you're going to stick with the Green Lantern Corps. Some of the Sinestro Corps members... Um, decide to stick with the Green Lantern Corps because they say along the same lines of, you know, we went with Sora because we felt with what's, what Sinestro was doing was wrong. If Sora's heading back over to the Sinestro side of things, essentially, then we don't want any part of it. We're going to stay with the Green Lantern Corps. The rest of the uh, Sinestro Corps goes with Sora, uh, including Arkillo. Uh, then the Sinestro Corps and the Green Lanterns start fighting each other. It's not uh, very long, though, before um, uh, John uh, punches at Sora with uh, a, a green construct and an override detected. And she's like, no, the green, no green lantern can stand before me. I am Sinestro. And he says, your old man talk like that. Or Hal says, your old man talk like that. Look what it got him. All that bluster, just words. How you handle your ring is what counts. She says, lies. I felt it. The power of the universe fear pulsing through my ring channeled from the central power battery to the battery. Then John says, when we helped build your new battery, I installed a safety measure. It transferred from the battery to every yellow ring, making them ineffective against the will. Think of it as a green impurity. And guys like, Johnny, I just fell in love with you. (laughs) (laughs) John says, it wasn't a far Sora. I meant what I said about the peace between us. We had it in our grasp. Everyone questioned my decision to invite the Sinestro Corps to be our partners. You know what pisses me off the most? You're all surprised. I had a plan. She says, it's not the end. He says, you want to go? Go, but stay on the straight and narrow. Green Lantern Corps can and will shut you down. 
they all leave. Kyle tries to chase after, tries to chase after Sora. Uh, Ayolande stops him, says she's made her choice. Um, they're, the next day, they're dismantling the Sinestro Corps battery. The Sinestro Corps members who stayed behind are being inducted into the Green Lantern Corps. Hal is taking uh, Tomar over to John for, I guess, processing or trial or whatever. Hal asks on behalf of Tomar, he says, hey, don't let the, la- the line of, uh, I just make this one request, don't let the line of Zudarian lanterns die. Let Tomar will his ring to choose his replacement from among his own people. Uh, John acquiesces, and uh, Tomar gives the command, and it flies off into space towards Zudar, and it finds uh, another Zudarian named Somar Lee. Um, uh, and uh, Hal says, you'll pay your debt, Tomar. Uh, you'll earn a second chance to make your dad proud. Meanwhile, John is talking to Ganthet and Sade. He says, I appreciate you staying out of this, even though it didn't go the way I wanted. The future I tried to build has been broken apart. Some of us suffer scars. One of us lost his way. But the core endures, and that's what counts, because whatever has kept you two wringing your hands when it finally gets here, I'm guessing it won't be good. Ganthet says, no, it will not be. He says, let's celebrate this victory. The long war between green and yellow, will and fear, is over. And then over in the antimatter universe on the planet Quard, a Sinestro Corps symbol lights up and deposits the burnt and broken body of Sinestro alongside of Lysa Drax. She says, I've, my love, I felt it. We were lost, but the yellow light called us home. Look what Hal Jordan did to you. This is not our denial. Don't, do not let it be so. All of a sudden, his ring sparks up, and she says, oh, my lord. And next, the new gods. Talk about anticlimactic with the new gods coming next. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! You know, I'll say this right now. So we've been saying, like, how the the issue with Vendetti's run uh, – is that these some of these stories they start well but they finish badly, uh, and not necessarily badly, but just they they start with a bang and end with a whimper. Um, they don't really close out very well. Outside of the stuff we'll get to between like Sora's whole thought process and even if it's even a good justification for all of this in the surf first place, outside of that catalyst. I feel like this started relatively well and ended pretty well. That's one of his better arcs. That's, that's spe- what I feel like. Especially, and this is this is kind of, we talked about this a little bit, Green Lanterns, and that, especially if you look at this in a vacuum, if you look at these four issues in a vacuum, or I think it was four, you look at these issues and you don't look at it, what came before it and what's going to come after it, and you know the context and some of the stuff we're going to talk about as we break it down. If you just read it as a story arc itself, the stuff that happens in it was it interesting? Did it move well? Did it kind of throw give you things you did not 100% necessarily expect along the way? And was it a you know was it a good read overall? And for this arc, it was. So this is probably this might be the best arc that he's done on this book since it started up. I mean, I think overall, if you look at the this. The quality of all four of, the, of all the parts in this arc, it, this one might very well be the best arc. And I agree with that. However, here here comes here's the rub. 
Like outside of, like I said, the outside of the catalyst, it's a good arc. However, is it a good arc and does it end on a high note because Venditti was like, ooh, issue 25? Because if that's the case, you shouldn't have to make 25 a super special ep- issue. It shouldn't take a super special issue to get an epic conclusion. Every story should be worthy of its own fantastic end. Every story should be the culmination and the resolution of itself. Because some of the things I've been saying about some of the prior storylines were, what did, what did it really accomplish? Has the status quo changed from the start of the story to the end of the story? If nothing has really changed, then what was the story about? And don't get me wrong, I'm not talking like huge groundbreaking changes or anything like that. I'm just talking about has someone learned a lesson or has a villain been revealed and vanquished or, you know, something along those lines. In most of the cases of the Vendetti stories we've read, I felt like there hasn't been a clear resolution or a change in the status quo for this story arc until we get to this point. And it's been 25 issues now. Well, maybe more, including annuals, I guess. Or have we had an annual for Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps? I was going to say, I don't, I don't think... Pre- I, know, I, know, I don't know. I know Titans had an annual. I just caught up on Titans recently. Uh, so I don't. I don't think. I, feel, I don't think so. For some reason, I don't. I'm trying. I'm. I don't know what arc it would have been part of if we, because that was somewhere. Because issue twelve was still somewhere right around the. Uh, it was was not the end. It was the end of the uh, bottle light arc or something like that. It was close to that. So I don't. I. I don't think we did get one for this. Hmm. Well, at the very least, we have the zero issue or the 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 one shot yep. rebirth. Anyways. So, like you said, you, know, you got to look at it in the vacuum. But you have to look at it in the vacuum to say it was a good arc. Because when you start breaking down Sora's motivation and the, the catalyst for this, this fracture, um, and that's actually interesting, too, calling it fracture, putting Tomar on the title uh, covers, was Tomar really the cause for the fracture then? Because there's two fractures that happen then. Correct. Sora already makes her move before she's alerted to what's happening with Tomar. So one wonders what the what the progress of Sora's decision and the way she treated Kyle and everything would have been had she not then just immediately been made aware of what had happened with Romat. Yeah, that's, that's what Guy tries to get, tries to when he tries to get Kyle out of the dumps. There, that's what he's the point he's basically trying to make. It's like at the end of the day, whether you did this, whether you know, in a way, whether Tomar did this, something was going to happen to trigger this, no matter what. But to be fair, if, if you had to pick one, <laughs> one is the, you know, the 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 match to the powder keg, or what? It wasn't really Tomar because that could have been dealt with. <laughs> It, yeah. really, it really, it really was sore because Sora is the leader. So if, if the leader is going to go off the reservation, then she's going to be taking her, her people with her, and that's exact, and that's what it came down to. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I do like the stuff in here with Arkillo. You know, he is – I mean, he's like, hey, I stood here on this ground and said you guys are going to act right. <laughs> and which one of you idiots messed up? <laughs> so he's about ready to tear some people up, and then Sora shows up, shut us, shuts him down, and Arkillo just decides, I, I made a vow. <laughs> so – Sorry, guy. Sorry, leader says this, and leader is now a leader is a Sinestro. I gotta go. <laughs> yes, but 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 he and Guy refuse to fight each other because neither one's willing to make the first move against each other. They Correct. Square, they square off against each other, waiting for the other to make the first move or telling the other to make the first move. But at the end of the day, neither one does. So they, which again is in 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 a, the vacuum of the issue of the arc is cute. It's still kind of. I, the, one of the bigger issues I have with all this, the concept is that you 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 knew this you knew the peace between the Sinestro Corps and the Green Lanterns was never going to last long term for multiple reasons. You knew even from a, even just from a from just from a forget about the reality of, of how this truce could work if, if all these characters were real. It's just from a from a editorial perspective, you weren't going to want this to go on forever because it's it's better with the tension between the two groups. But that being said, this was a this was a real friggin' wasted opportunity to just jam these people together for more for a handful of issues just to break them apart so quickly, and hmm. it all, and it still comes back to making the whole yeah now we know Arkillo and Guy have this grudging friendship that lasted a whopping like four issues on patrol together or whatever it's like it still makes their fight seem even stupider. Not that you need not not that, not that there really needed to be much more to or that could have been made it stupider than the fight that they really had that they didn't need to have really, but this kind of I think it just just compounds it too. It's just it's just it's not because they, again they weren't everybody guy and Arkillo you could try to make a case because of what they went through maybe their bond is a little closer, but almost everybody else they barely they barely got their feet wet when it came to getting to know each other. So there's not going to be a whole lot of love lost between splitting them up. It, 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 there's no real emotional involvement or, or conflict here if you just if you don't really have any time to bond with people or people in quotes that and then you get then you get torn apart from. I mean it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that much. It's so it just was a waste. I mean this this I like the idea of this. It, I think it would have been better if it at least like came like six or seven more issues down the road. Yeah. More potential. Yeah, I mean, because there's a lot. There were there was a lot of that's a good word. There's a lot of potential for these two cores working together, and what that could mean symbolically for the you know to show the universe and the other cores too, and then you just piss it away just because. So that that seemed forced. So while it's an enjoyable arc, it it always it seemed like it's a waste, and that's even before we even get into you know. Break, really break down the Sora and the Kyle stuff, just looking at the two cores themselves, that it just seems like it was a waste to bring them together just to split them apart so soon. Right. Um, another thing to break down before we get into the, the big meat would be um, the the new Zudarian Lantern. Who we have seen before. Which, who we have seen before. Uh, and it's interesting, it's a, it's a young person. Uh, I would... I don't know. I don't want to assume how old because it's an alien race, but this one is. I mean, it, it's somebody's granddaughter, and it's and she's wearing like you know stars, star pajamas and stuff like that. So I wonder how that'll play out. 
Well, obviously, when it's you, just a kid. Well, yes, true. But if you if you look ahead, based on that other issue that we had, not after right after Bottle Light, then I guess this chick must hold on to her ring quite a long time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> she she has a long career ahead of her as a Green Lantern. Um, I do. I which, I kind which, of I get that. I'm sorry. Which, go ahead. Which which doesn't bode well for Tomar. We have to point out. <laughs> Unless he gets another ring somewhere else, but not in his own sector, or or they end up being like two sector partners, and he ends up being the sector partner of this other one. That 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 doesn't bode well for Tomar getting a ring again if she's if she if she's a Green Lantern supposedly all this time. What if Tomar becomes a Blue Lantern? It's possible, or I guess I guess it's also possible that. She's a Green Lantern. Maybe she maybe she gives it back to Tomar for a time, but then after Tomar dies, it comes back to her. So maybe there's a gap. You know, maybe she's a Green Lantern. She takes a break for a while, and then she comes. So maybe it's not consecutive. You know, one long consecutive t- uh, term of service. So, but either way, sorry. Uh, so what I was gonna no no don't worry about it. What I was gonna say was I I, I get the conversation that John and uh, Ganthet and Sade have. But at the same time, John says, because whatever has kept you two wringing your hands, when it finally gets here, I'm guessing it won't be good. And Ganthet's like, flat out, no, it will not be. As leader of the Corps, why don't you sit Ganthet and say down and say, you're not leaving this effing room until you tell me what's coming. Because I'm the core leader. I need to know what threats are out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Or for Gantt and say not to keep them in the dark because, you know, they're not supposed to be operating like your classic guardians and keeping everything to themselves. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, artistically, again, I, I felt it was pretty strong. I thought the towards the end that I had a couple of weird ish, uh, weird things to point out. Like Lysa Drax's face on that last panel looks odd. Yeah, it uh, does. And so does John Stewart's face on that last panel we see him. He's got a stupid look on his face. Yeah, he does. So, but, but he's cocky. He's cocky, John Stewart, right now. I guess he's content. Uh, he's, he's fully contented, John Stewart, because because he thinks he he pulled the ultimate fast one. I, I do I do appreciate uh, some of the characterization John Stewart gets here. Like we've seen him be characterized as a ta- uh, a tactician. Uh, and, and a, a military leader, so on and so forth. But uh, it's all been sort of standard, you know. Just uh, he's he's a he's a marine, you know. That's that's kind of all it's been. I feel like even though it was still a tactical move, I still appreciate how they stuck with it because when when John said the line, um. When John said the line that he said in terms of uh, uh, "you're all surprised I had a plan," uh, that's that, that's the thing that really pisses him off. That's that's when I was like, "Ah, oh, all right, that's that's not too bad." So I did appreciate that moment. Yeah, I mean, I it was I mean, this objectively speaking, there's no doubt it was clever. It was a, it, it was a clever move. That being said, Sora is absolutely right that for John to do that, then the, the peace the peace between the two of them really was a farce because because he because really, it's telling you that he really truly didn't think it was going to work out long term, and he was making sure that when it didn't work out, 
he, he wouldn't have to worry about the yellow lanterns anymore. So she she has a valid point about that. But, but well, yeah. yeah, but it depends on your position, though. I mean, because because essentially what we're talking about here is what's known as a nuclear deterrent. I mean, in 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 one school of thought, a nuclear deterrent makes sense because you know if they're not going to come out come at us because they know that if they do too heavy, too strong, we have this to completely, you know, we have end game. But you also have nuclear deterrent in terms of we don't want to use it, we don't hope to use it, we don't plan to use it, but just in case, we did go ahead and build it anyways. And there are two two schools of thought to a nuclear deterrent. Well, so I- – and it also differ, and you also have to differentiate between your classic MAD, your mutually assured destruction, and which before this little gimmick of John Stewart, you could say that's kind of more like what theoretically what it was. That because you have two you have two opposing forces that both have the ability to destroy each other, and you hope that's the deterrent so why you don't fight. And now and now we now we kind of changed it to where it's more like more like let's say you know like the United States dealing with like a post World War Two. You know Germany, when they with or Japan without any nuclear weapons at all. So it's kind of like the idea that at the end of the day, you know, you're going to get what you want because you have something that can take them out and they can't take you out. So now it's, it's just kind of it's it's changed the playing field from being to level to having a clear advantage. Which of course, from the Green Lantern's perspective, it makes perfect sense why you would do that. But building that in also does show that you didn't have a lot. You really didn't have faith that this was going to work long term, or that. Really, I'm not, and I'm, can't, I'm not saying that I would do anything different if I was John. I'm just saying if you look at it from Sora's perspective, or you try to look at it just neutral. Well, yeah, that's that's true. But I'm just saying, you know, John. Like I said, he's he's a tactician. He's the former Marine. I don't I don't see him as putting a fail safe in as going. Oh, it's gonna fail. As going. Oh, I better have a plan B in case it does. Because planning for, for a potential eventuality doesn't necessarily mean that you don't believe it's going to work. You're just not stupid enough to assume my way is the right way and it's going to work. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's, it's, it's got to work. There's, there's no way it's going to fail. No, I know. It's like a prenup, essentially. That's what it really is. It's like a prenup. I mean, it's, and there's two different trains of thought on that too i mean some people think oh you should never have a prenup because you're basically expecting the marriage to fail or you're planning thinking it's going to but you're exactly right it's not that you're planning on it or hoping for it but you can but it's not living in a bubble to think that it's impossible for it to happen <laughs> so yeah all right anything else before we get into it no i don't think so i think even though i was disappointed that this that the space imp doesn't have a green lantern outfit yet <laughs> <laughs> I want him to be a core member like yesterday. <laughs> I, I thought he. What? I thought he was just. I thought he was just like a little t- piece of tech. No, I think he's. I think he's alive. I think he's alive. I'm pretty sure he's just like some sort of tech, some sort of relatively sentient tech. He could be. Yeah. That's because he's got a USB port. Doesn't mean he's not alive, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Sora's zeal. Look, I'm not debating the Tomar side of things. I said way before that 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 J- Tomar just 
for the sake of his people, for the protection of the children, going off on Romat was enough of reason in my mind. So to me, that side of things, 100% justified. I don't have any issues with that. Sora, however... So remember when I was talking about, like, when we got the reveal of who Sarko was and Kyle was sitting in the dark and, like, he's my son, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, how do you feel like this for, like, a son from the future you just figured out that you had? Like, how do you have this much emotion for that situation? See Darth Vader. (laughs) The same kind of thing. (laughs) Well... If, if if I was along that school of thought with just Sarko going evil and Kyle having – like Sora doing an autopsy on something that's already dead and figuring out that it's her son, like, like – that's enough for her to go full on Sinestro. Well, it's what the autopsy entails. It's not like, oh, she had to do it. I mean, she was basically dissecting her own kid. I still, I don't know, man. I still, I I don't think it's enough of a catalyst. Like, I can get, like, so the fact that we're debating it just means that, okay, it could theoretically be a good enough one. But I really, not just me, we're going to get to feedback later on. Like, I just... I don't really feel like that was enough of a push to make Sora go full Sinestro. Like, I could see her being angry. I could see her starting conflict between the two cores and things being uneasy between them and so on and so forth. Her completely shutting down Kyle and maybe saying that, you know, whatever you thought this was going is for sure never going to happen again. Stuff like that. But... For her to go, I am Sinestro, my father was right, you know, burning a brand into Kyle Rayner. I mean, just like that was that wasn't just like a little bit Sinestro. That was full on Sinestro. She said the words alley rat. Okay, (laughs) which was funny as hell. I really liked that part. (laughs) Just like that was too much. So I really don't know how I feel about her going full Sinestro because my only thing is I, I, I just because it's Sora in the history we've had with this character and the fact that we've read her from, I guess, basically when she first appeared until now, because that's that's true, right? I mean, she's been around since the Green Lantern core title, right? Yes. All right, so we've seen the evolution of this character. We've read all of her appearances. They've all been covered on this show at some point, whether it was me and Mark or Jim and Dan or some combination of the four of us. We've all reviewed and recapped every single appearance Sora has ever had in the Green Lantern titles. I don't really see this. I could see it as a potential thing for her to do, but not as a result of this. So I have to think that if it's not, if it's out of character for her, even given the situation, I'm wondering what could be the influence of it. So in my mind, what my theory is, 
is that it's like it has something to do with like a Sinestro failsafe. Well, we're talking about like planning for every potential eventuality. Like I've heard it said, I don't know if we said it here on one of our shows or it was Jim and Dan in the past, but someone compared Sinestro to Batman at some point. Like he's like an evil space Batman. <laughs> he's got his plans, but he does have contingency plans in case things don't go the way he wants. So I'm wondering like if there's some sort of Sinestro fear leadership thing where like were Sinestro to be you know defeated or killed and a new leader of the Sinestro Corps chosen a portion of Sinestro's consciousness is transferred into the leader of the Corps. I'm not saying that's how it is, but like is it a heavy influence? Is it a direct main line to the fear entity or uh, or the, the the central power battery? Or is it some sort of consciousness thing? Like, what is it? Something has to be influencing her. At least that's how I see it. That would be really lazy writing if that's the case. Which doesn't mean that we're not going to get that. <laughs> it just means that's exactly to me what it, That's why I don't think that's what's... It would be... It would be real easy to do that, just like it would have been real easy to come up with an explanation for how Tomar was being manipulated by something, and not it wasn't really his fault. I don't I don't really think that that's what we got. I I think we just didn't get a very. I think we got an extremely poor build up to a to a to a turn to a heel turn and like a, from from a wrestling perspective, we had a really bad. And, and not a, not a realistic build up to a heel turn, but I don't think that we're because it it, it appears it appears that when Sora is basically Sora embracing the dark the dark side, if you will, and reigniting the real purpose of what the Sinestro Corps truly is or what they're supposed to stand for, that was the spark that helped. You know, Lysa and Sinestro, who I guess I guess we assume they were kind of like floating aimlessly since, without a landing point since since last we saw them until that spark of fear returned in the universe, and then they finally were able to land on solid ground again. And then, of course, the little spark coming from Sinestro's ring, which would indicate that he's not dead, which we know he's not dead anyway. Big surprise, because we know he's going to be showing up in Superman soon. <laughs> so, but I don't think it was realistic. I don't think. Like everything else in this arc, I think it happened too soon. I do like the fact that I think Sora is pissed at herself too for 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 warming, allowing herself to try to warm up to Kyle as quickly as she did, which also was borderline unrealistic. Uh, but still, she did have deep feelings for Kyle. We know that. I I do like. I can't help it. Does I shouldn't laugh, but it just makes me laugh that you know Kyle, you know Kyle kind of is like the architect of. <laughs> of the, uh, of an, an, another major calamity Kyle just brought on by himself by just because doo, 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 doo. <laughs> what did you do today Kyle oh I just I just fractured peace between the greens and the yellows how about you got nothing <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so so I mean I mean but I do like the I, I really like the fact that Sora called Kyle on his own shit which I think is most appropriate because Kyle does he does kind of like try to 
skirt through by, oh, I really had the best intentions and I'm doing this for this, as opposed to not being honest, not necessarily being honest with himself about why he's doing what he's doing sometimes. And I think I like the fact that she called him on, on, on his shit this time. That It's like that was part of the reason why you didn't tell me the truth, but you were also afraid. You were also afraid of the ramifications of what that of, of coming clean with me what it was going to be. So, and of course, it's also an example of not learning from the from your own mistakes because Kyle being dishonest with her and not being and making her believe something that wasn't really true before, or not just in general terms, just not being honest with her is the reason why they weren't together anymore anyway. <laughs> so, and the brand the brand was a, the brand is cool because much like her, much like Sinestro has got Kyle's brand on his back that. Now, 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 if uh, Sorenik repaid the favor, now, yes, in theory, Saint Walker could remove that, but knowing Kyle, he's going to be like, no, I deserve to have that, for, like for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I come, I'm, I, I'm not wrong, though, am I? <laughs> no, it's not like the first time CC Saint Walker could. Hey, you got a second? Could you take this off my chest? That's not going to. So it'd be much more likely for the opposite. Saint Walker would notice it somehow, like when Kyle doesn't have a shirt or something. It's like. What happened to you? And it's like I can I can I can fix that. And it's like no, it's okay. And but eventually, much like Arkillo's tongue hanging around his neck, eventually Kyle will probably get to the point where he doesn't feel like he needs to have that reminder about the, the sins of his past. And then probably then then a blue lantern will heal him, whether it's uh, Saint Walker or not. But like, don't get me wrong. Between the two of us, I I think your your uh, idea of it just being poor writing in terms of like the culmination of these events is more likely. Um, it's just that because we've been reading Sora for so long and we read, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous to, 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 to throw, uh, past issues, even including the Cullen Bun Sinestro run into the mix when we're trying to characterize Venditti's Sora, because clearly there are some aspects that, Venditti is pulling from the Colin Bunsen Astro run, at least in terms of the fact that what happened in those issues happened. Sora was alongside of Sinestro, but maybe the characterization isn't the same. Just because I don't come away from that series thinking that Sora has inched her way closer to Sinestro's viewpoint. Because then she take she gets leadership of that core, revolts against her father, and turns that core into something good. Because so I mean you have to have astonishing, an astonishing sense of purpose and such to take the reins of a core like the Astro Core and just <laughs> beat a dead horse <laughs> into submission and make that thing what you want it to be. So like I just. I have a hard time seeing her let all that go. Like like I said, I wouldn't have necessarily a hard time if the split between the two went just like, we can't trust you anymore, we can't work with you anymore. But for me, what it seems like, and maybe, I read, maybe I'm reading into it, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but it seems like not only are these two cores not going to work with each other, the Sinestro core are going back to 100% what they used to be. Instilling fear in the universe, killing people sometimes, maybe. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. The Sinestro Corps was, you know, recruiting a bunch of murderers and stuff. So, I guess murder is part of their repertoire. 
But I just have a hard time seeing Sora do – can I see her doing a heel turn? Yes. Can I see her doing a heel turn to where she's just, like I said, full-on Sinestro? I'm going to instill fear, lead the core that instills fear, and be cool with murder. I don't know if I feel that. I don't know if I see that in any piece of her journey from the first time we saw her up until now. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's also it's also harder to really I guess the only thing you could look at with Sora even though it is there's no doubt it's uncharacteristic. No matter how you want to try to explain it away, it's uncharacteristic, and it doesn't really make a lot 100% sense. There's no doubt about that. I guess the only thing you could look at is that Sora's kind of been she's kind of been on this yo-yo with, when it comes to the Sinestro Corps from the minute she joined it, because in the beginning, you know, she joined it, and essentially she was, you know, first she didn't she had to be convinced that you know Sinestro was anything but a total jerk all the time. Then she kind of was put in charge, and then she turned it into something, a force for good. And then and then Sinestro came back and turned it back into a force for shit. <laughs> and then she revolts against him, seemingly because she wants to make it a force for good. <laughs> and now she's back to <laughs> saying, hey, my father is right. Let's go back to <laughs> making crap again. So there is a whole lot of yo-yoing going on with Sora, and maybe it has, maybe again it has to do with the nature of the yellow ring onto itself. As we were told a long time ago, not that they really touch upon this anymore, like when Hal was wearing it during even the War of the Green Lanterns, that, oh, you can't wear this too long or else it's going to have like permanent effects on you. So maybe it's the fact that the, the ring is having more of an effect on Sora now, and she feels fear and it, and, relates to fear differently than when she first got the ring by default, seemingly by default, just so she wouldn't get sucked out of the universe with the rest of the Green Lantern Corps. Who who did that? We still don't know. <laughs> and maybe we never will. But, yeah, I, I, I don't... It's weird. It is a weird turn. It's... It would be disappointing if somehow this was, you know, the influence of Sinestro or Parallax or something. It would be it would be disappointing if that was, but it's also equally disappointing for it to be poor writing because you can't afford because much because you can't afford to give like and maybe an eight issue setup for something that you want to happen as opposed to doing it in like three or four issues like Emerald Twilight. <laughs> it's like you want to make this believable. It's like let's make then let's then let's take a little time to make it believable instead of just forcing it and having a complete turn overnight and then and then. So it's very similar to that. It's very similar that you have a motivation, but you know, but it's her motivation enough to you know to 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 do that. So, and it's also that we'll be curious to see how long it takes for them to figure out a way to undo the green impurity. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we get into feedback? Since some of the feedback is just expounding on this same idea. No, I think. But they were fun. They were fun issues, regardless of whether you thought, you know, the, how believable everything that happened in it was, or likely. You know, oh yeah, like I, like I said, like I said, the catalyst was weak for me. However, like you said, taking it in a vacuum, I did enjoy this particular arc and thought it finished off pretty well. Um, so do we want to just go ahead and take Corwin's email? Then that Twitter feedback I told you about, and then 
then go back to the other email so that we can uh, just keep so yeah so, so yeah. we can keep up with the thoughts. You yeah. know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yes. All right, we have a we have a voicemail from Corwin, and we'll go ahead and uh, play that now and uh, give you our response when we're done. Fellas, Corwin, got a little drive on, got a little trip I'm on right now, and I'm listening to episode 286 with Hal Jordan and the core, 22 and 23, and of course, after recently reading 25, I have a lot to ponder. Uh, I think Marcus had mentioned how the story arc started out great, and then one or two issues in, or right near the end, it just kind of disappoints, and I'm still pretty disappointed with issue 25. Um, I'm just pondering where they went wrong and how they could have done it better. So, one of two things real quick. Do you guys think Sora jumped the gun and just went to the dark side way too quickly? Or do you think that was something they should have built up slowly? I mean, it just seemed like the whole thing with her son and then picking up the Sinestro name and dissolving... The partnership with the Green Lantern Corps just seemed just like way too quick and just like a huge over exaggeration. I mean, what do the ladies, what do the Lantern cast ladies think? I, I want to hear, you know, the female perspective on this whole thing and whether Sora was justified with the the break or was it something they should have slowly showed her? I don't know, give into her fear or just become more uneven or, you know. With that. Second thing, I, I, I will say I like Kyle getting his, uh, his badge, quote unquote. So Sinestro has the Green Lantern core on his, uh, Kyle has the Sinestro core on his chest. The two have been inexplicably connected in some ways. Um, but I don't know. I just want you guys' thoughts on that. I was pretty disappointed on the two cores splintering already, even though I know Fracture was the name of the story arc. Alright? Let me know what you guys think. So thanks, Corwin, for that voicemail. If you guys want to leave a voicemail, 708-LANTERN. And uh, keep in mind, there's like a three-minute time limit, I think. So just uh, keep an eye on that. Um, <laughs> for a minute there, when I first listened to this, I was like, when he was like, I want to hear what the Lantern cast ladies think. I was like, I was, I was like, is he insulting us? Is he like trying to do some sort of a dig? Like, <laughs> then I realized what he was saying. Wait a second. <laughs> I don't know Corwin to throw out those digs that often. <laughs> so he's obviously referring to the, the, our female listeners of the show. And it's actually interesting that he says, you say that Corwin because Today on Twitter, I posted in advance. I was like, hey, what is everybody's thoughts on 24 and 25? You know, just to maybe see if we can get some interest and some uh, some responses to read here on our show. The only person who replied to that, we did get a lot of likes, retweets, so on and so forth. So thank you guys for that. But the person who actually replied and answered that was Laurel, uh, who says uh, she won't get 25 until Wednesday, but she's shocked by Sora branding Kyle in 24 and calling him Alley Rat. Seems extreme for her. Mental break or ring? She asked that question. So, uh, yeah, I just find it interesting that both Corwin and Laurel are like, something's off here. Is it like, did did, did Sora herself jump the gun or was it poor writing? (laughs) So, 
The world may never know. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I, I, I feel like the it could have been if it's just poor writing. I think it just we we, ju- we jumped the gun too soon. I don't know what the rush is to get to this new God story. I don't know what the plans are because I think in terms of writing, I'm pretty sure Venditti's like 10 issues ahead of us right now. So I don't know what is coming down the pipeline that we need to be like ready for. But if, if, if there's something going on, we're like, all right, we need to, in order to reach this point to like 12 issues from now, we need this storyline to end a little bit sooner than you intended. I feel like that's still too much editorial trying to dictate what's going on in these titles. I mean, besides, wouldn't, wouldn't it have been more interesting in a way to have Sora still be on the side of the Green Lanterns when Sinestro shows back up again, and that kind of almost like the the you know the Emperor Vader tempting Luke kind of thing. That that be the moment where maybe Sora where everything comes to a head, where Sora realizes maybe my father's right. Wouldn't that have been a little yeah? Bit like when, the seeds are the seeds are down planted for a very long time, and then just as she's like getting to the tipping point. That's when Sinestro comes and just gives her the final push yeah, over the edge. Yeah, to me that would have been to be that would have been more interesting and it would, would be a little more believable than what we got, you know, what we got here. So, yeah, as far as an in-story explanation, if it wasn't poor writing in the terms of what what Laurel was asking over on Twitter, was it a mental break or the ring? I'm not sure, so sure those are two different questions. If there's an in-story explanation for why she did it outside, like if it's more than what it seems, if that's the case, I'm thinking it, like I said, it was something to do with like either some sort of thing that Sinestro had programmed into whoever's the leader of the core. You know, if someone's chosen as a leader, it needs to be a, consciousness thing or they have an influx of fear like it's it's something to do with exposure to the ring and being in that position that caused her to do that again that's if there's supposed to be an explanation for why she went full sinestro so fast if it was just as we said it was just poor writing slash they jumped the gun just because they needed to get to abcd point at some point then that's one thing. But if it was, if there's supposed to be an in-story explanation, that's what I'm leaning towards. A function of the ring or something, uh, some sort of safety measure or, you know, something that Sinestro had programmed his core to do or, you know, something to that effect. Something involving fear or the ring or being the leader, leader of the, the Sinestro core, which is all very super vague and not thought out at all, so... So if it ends up being something other than just more writing, I guess I could just technically go, look, I was right all along <laughs> because I'm super vague right now. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, when you, when you say, is it a mental break or the ring Laurel? I, I, are those really even two different questions? So, um, it's interesting that you both seem to like the brand that Ky- that Sora puts on Kyle. I just you and Corwin. I just I I don't like it. It's, but maybe just because I'm feeling like it's it's just it's it's too much. 
Well, you can make a case when he did to Sinestro was based on his lack of relationship with Sinestro at all. You can make a case that was kind of extreme too. <laughs> he, he had no real he had no real relationship with Sinestro at all. It was kind of like in a way Kyle being cocky again, kind of doing that. Um, so it, it it's cyclical. It, so that's the reason that's the reason why I like it because it because it's cyclical. I mean, Sinestro still. So Nestro still has that on his back, and again, maybe that's something he he obviously, I guess, St. Walker could have taken it off his back too if he knew it was there. But which he probably does because I think he was, I think Sinestro wasn't Sinestro's shirt. Yeah, he was, his shirt was off when he was captured on Yuzmal during the uh, Rage of the Red Lantern storyline. So I'm sure St. Walker would have realized at that point that uh, he had that brain. <laughs> but Sinestro's another guy in character who would say, well. No, no. This motivates me. I'm going to keep the. I'm going to keep this on. Plus, it's a little easier because it's on your back, so you don't have to look at it all the time yourself. But with Kyle, it's 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 kind of it's kind of just cyclical about it. So and it's it's the so that that's and I it was just it was clever. You have to give the devil his due. That was a, that was a clever bit of writing because that's probably so. I mean, it's so long. So many people have even you know until you actually get forced to re- actually remember it because when you like see Sinestro without his shirt from behind or something, it's so easy to forget that branding of Sinestro ever happened during Rebirth. It's so long ago. So it, it's kind. Of, so lo- those little tidbits like that are are, are kind of cool. I like. I like. I thought that so. That's. I think that's part of the reason why it appealed to me. All right. Want to move on to the email? Yeah. I want to let's let's let us move on to the uh, let us move on to the email. Let me get it. Let me get that sucker. All right. So I'm going to read the whole thing and then we can break it down because there's a lot of stuff in here. Um, Sounds good. I'm I'm, go- I'm going to I'll edit this slightly as we go through it because there's some stuff we don't I don't think we need to read out loud in, in this email. Um, all right, so this is from Jimmy. He's like, I'm behind on listening because I was behind on reading, and I avoid spoilers. That makes perfect sense. Uh, if you like an audio feedback, you know, uh, he's happy to do that. He said because he's planning on starting to cover Green Lanterns in his, his own podcast as well. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I was. I have a few specific points of feedback for you. First, I'm loving Green Lanterns. I was out of comics for a long time, and I got back in at the beginning of Rebirth, and I'm enjoying it a great deal. I'm only reading Flash and Green Lanterns right now, but kind of keeping up with everything via podcasts. That being said, I grew up with Hal in the Bronze Age, but I still don't read Core today. What has enthralled me is Cruz and her struggles. I don't agree that the other things are what is interesting. It's her and her story all the way. As I give feedback before, as I gave feedback before the podcast of Oa, I am not disappointed at all that she is having continual trouble with anxiety and related issues. That is a very real thing, and I think they are portraying that very effectively. Of note, specific feedback for something one of you said, which would mostly be me, I believe. When Baz is struggling with the memories of resurfaced from seeing the guy in the hospital, Nazir, uh, one of you had said that a happy it had a happy ending, so it shouldn't have affect him, affected him that way, and I disagree completely. Several years ago, my oldest son was almost killed in a rollover ejection. He was airlifted and spent four days in ICU. He had a miraculous recovery in that his spleen was bleeding but he but did not require surgery and had a brain bleed that resolved itself. He walked out of the hospital a week after the accident that he should not have survived. I still get chills when I think of that time, and it's extremely hard for me to even drive by the spot where his truck left the road. For a long time, the sound of a chopper lifting off would almost, would almost give me a breakdown. 
Bottom line is it doesn't matter how happy the ending, the trauma is still just as real, and I really felt for Baz during that. It actually helped that I recently picked up a few issues of the New 52 run and had the issue where he brings his friend out of the coma. One last piece of feedback. As for the banner, I could I can see DC not saying that it is part three. Yes, it makes it harder for people to recognize it for back issues, but DC makes no money on back issues, only on new ones. From a marketing standpoint, you don't want a potential new character to see the banner and say, well, I will wait till that arc is over and then jump in. Uh, that is not closing a sale. Thanks for the show. Good to get differing opinions on things. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? No, go ahead. All right. So first off, I think one thing I want to say right up, obviously, I think we both can agree that we're really happy that things worked out so extremely well for his son, considering how horrible that was. <laughs> so that's 100%. So, so that's so the event itself was horrible. The resolution as in, and the way things turned out, you know, that's pretty cool that you were lucky and he was lucky. The one thing besides delving into the content about this, the thing that I really like about this email because obviously I'm going to disagree with some points, and you might as well, potentially. But what I really like is that this email is something that we would kind of need. right in, this, in the world that we live in right now, this email is kind of good because of the fact that it shows something that people tend not to have anymore, which is like perspective, and that different backgrounds and different circumstances can lead, lead to different opinions and different views on things, and that doesn't automatically mean – one is right and one is wrong, or you have to think a certain way, which is kind of like where we live today. You have to believe a certain thing or else you're wrong and you probably should shut up or, or we'll make you shut up. You shouldn't talk about your opinion. So I like Which is the, exactly why we've been saying this entire time, that if anybody has anything they disagree with, feel free to write in right. because we don't we don't want to live in a vacuum. Right, and, and, it, and again, it's, it's – and we, and we like to be – I don't want – I was going to use progressive, but that's – but from – Based on the real connotation it has today, it's, it's kind of, from my perspective, it's pretty bad. But I mean it. But I mean it in the sense that we want to be open-minded about things, not just because people necessarily disagree with us. But the, like I said, I like the idea that this just shows you you can come have based on your own experiences, you will have different views on things than other people. But it does not necessarily mean either one of those views or opinions happen to be wrong. Now, based on the fact that let's deal with before we delve into the psycho analytical stuff, especially related more to Simon, I think. Let's deal with the Jessica stuff. The mere fact that he that he hasn't been reading comics in a long time, it makes perfect sense that some of the things that you and I have, are more interested in, or Myron, or, or anybody who has read Green Lantern relatively religiously, even let's say during the Jeff Johns era, that a lot of those things that interest us more or intrigue us will have no effect or just be a blip on the radar screen for somebody that's never read about the emotional spectrum or the other cores or Volthoom or the Chamber of Shadows and all this – or the Phantom Lantern and what it, and, or the Ring and why is that cool or, what, why, or what it, why it intrigues people, the people that it you know, relates to. makes perfect sense. If you're reading this, again, the key word is, if you're, like we used before, in a, in a vacuum, if you're reading these stories, you can enjoy the stories for what they are. The continuity issues and the, and the ramifications thereof that you know we talk about we, we talked about just last episode, those things really don't head home for you, and that's fine, and that makes perfect sense. It's it, it's more problematic for people who have you know who who know that this is like a monkey wrench that has potential big time ramifications, and it's one domino that changes potentially a lot of things with relationships between Green Lanterns and the Manhunters and the Guardians and everything happening 10 billion years ago, but yet they're alive and life is supposed to start here and yada yada. 
but you're reading it in a vacuum, none of that stuff really matters. So I can understand that. Just, I do find it interesting that despite differing opinions on a lot of stuff, everybody agrees that this is Jessica's book, which still comes back to, why is Simon in this book? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's Jessica's story. It's no doubt it's Jessica's story. We we know that as a main character. Uh, related to Jessica's anxiety. Yes, in real life, if you're suffering from anxiety disorder, you're not going to just shake it off like you like you have a cold and move on and never suffer from it again. You're going to be dealing with it in some way, shape, or form your entire life. You just hope to have better grips on it, a better grip on it, better coping mechanisms for it. And when when you start feeling something, come on. Hopefully you're able to handle it better and not have it affect you for as long a period and not maybe – or maybe isolate when it's going to happen a little bit more, be able to see, maybe potentially see the triggers coming before it gets become a full-blown anxiety attack. That's Which I think I, we've said on this show before, that, yes. that it makes no sense for her to just completely – cure herself of it and we never hear about it again right that's so i mean and so in the real world I mean, we, you know, we we are on the same page with that that being said this is also a comic book so you can only you can try to be give a a somewhat realistic portrayal of the disorder but it's also not realistic from a readership point of view that if every single issue you were going to have jessica have a have a anxiety attack a, a panic attack and every single time she fails because she's having a panic attack Conveniently enough, like at the end of every every issue at a cliffhanger, that would get old real quick, and people would not see the merit in her. They might still like her as a person, but as a hero, which ultimately she still is. She is a superhero with a, with a, with an issue, as opposed to just a person with an issue who occasionally, you know, kind of like dabbles. She's a superhero. She's a Green Lantern. She has to be able to overcome stuff to use her ring, or else she's not really going to be an effective Green Lantern. And so there has to be a balancing act. You have to, and I think they've done a pretty good job of trying because they have shown growth in Jessica. Where actually, in all honesty, if they were just having her suffer from attacks constantly, then Simon would be saving her ass all the time. And lately, it's been the other way around. She's been actually saving Simon more often than the other way around. So they are showing growth, but not, but not enough where you know she's quote unquote cured. So I think that's the best we can hope for from a realistic. Uh, portrayal of her anxiety disorder in this book because ultimately she's still a superhero she still has to she has to wield the ring somewhat effectively or else people are not going to want to read about her as a green lantern it's not like it's a reality show about a, a regular reality show where you know she's an interesting personality and she has this problem and it might be enthralling enough to just follow her with this i don't think that that would work because of the nature of the beast um dealing with simon I think that my real issue, and I think I said that in that in that episode, my real issue is that I don't really think Simon is really suffering from post-traumatic stress or anything along those lines. And as an overall disclaimer, not that you know, not that it's said in this email at all um, by Jimmy, but there is also a difference between somebody about having bad events trigger memories in people and or smells and and a different scent and bring back memories for, for people, but oftentimes not good ones. There's a difference between that and be having true post-traumatic stress disorder because we all have things that trigger memories in us and feelings in us. My take is I don't really think Su Simon is really suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder really because we, other than dealing with with Nazir, I don't really think we've really seen it, seen it bubble over. When post so analytically, I think post-traumatic tends to affect you in different ways, and it's not just automatic trigger related to the event. It's other things that can set you off, and all goes it's like it's like the, the different different um, 
it's like a spider web. Different things that all take you end up taking you to that center at the end, which is where which brings brings the onset of some of the stuff on. I think Simon's all Simon's issues. I think stem from his relationship with Nazir number one, and specifically his guilt for Nazir. He was guilt. He felt guilty. Nazir was in the hospital. He felt guilty. Nazir was hurt. He felt that he was really ultimately responsible. So I think that's what really. So walking into a hospital the first time after something bad happened, of course you're going to feel weird. A hospital is a crappy place to be in. Almost nobody feels good going into a hospital, even if you're visiting somebody who's not seriously sick or ill. I mean, a hospital is not a natural place. It's a really uncomfortable place. So, of course, if you have your last your last experience being in a hospital, you're going to feel weird being in there. So, but I, the stuff that was paralyzing him and that issue, I think, was related and why he was so obsessed with trying to save Doctor, you know, help Doctor Polaris. I think that relates to all his guilt over 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 Nazir more than just a pure pure stress response. And I think that's really where, my personal opinion, that's why I went with it. That's why I pointed out that it's not like Nazir died at the hospital. It's not like he's, it's this guilt magnified with this horrible result. Simon ended up saving the day. I think it's more, so it wasn't just the fact that the hospital had this huge, oh my God, I can't breathe anxiety on him immediately. I think it was just reminded him of his own guilt. And as we saw even in the last issue, in the, uh, when he's writing that letter to Nazir before they get sucked, you know, they get sent back into the past. The last issue... Uh, Jessica and Simon were in that we reviewed that there's a lot of issues there between Nazir and, and Simon that go back to them being friends seemingly lo- logically though we don't know, know entirely all their background we assume they were friends long before Simon's uh, sister married Nazir so there's a lot of th- and their relationship has clearly changed so there's a lot of tension between the two of them so that's why I see it more as a personal relationship issue than really dealing with a, like a post-traumatic stress disorder response so that's i could be wrong but that's that's my that's my couch you know my my couch analysis of, of simon so that's kind of why i believed what i believed but <clears throat> sorry your turn. um no, no worries <laughs> um I, I mean i kind of said it already i i think i'm pretty sure we've said it before although uh i can't point to a specific episode obviously it would have to be one of the ones involving uh, our green lanterns coverage I'm pretty sure we've said on air before that it, while we think she should be progressively handling her, uh, her, I don't want to call it emotion or I, I also don't want to call it a disorder, but I, I guess that's really the only thing I can think of. So disorder, uh, while we think she should be progressively handing her, handling her disorder better and better and better. It also doesn't make sense to completely do another 180 and say, all right, she's been a Green Lantern long enough, she's cured. I'm pretty sure we've said that yeah. on air. Yeah. I don't know if it was you or me or who. Somebody said we. it makes zero sense for her to just get over it because if they're truly portraying it as the disorder it truly is and as severe as it was uh, before even she got the Green Lantern ring, we're talking about when she was first introduced and became Power Ring um, – even bef- slightly before she became powering, when you're introduced to a character who has this severe of a of a disorder, of a mental block set up for themselves in, ter- in terms of this, that it makes zero sense, no matter what is affected by her. You have to understand, too, this is not just somebody who has this disorder. This is somebody who has this dos- disorder, then was basically hijacked by the power ring slash Volthoom stuff. 
her body was taken over and she was placed in a just locked inside of her own mind in a place of perpetual fear. After being locked like, in her apartment for like years. <laughs> right, right. So, it, it, so not only did she have this issue, it was then exacerbated on a cosmic slash magical level. Then she became a Green Lantern. So it would make zero sense for her to just get over it. But as you said, we do have to see some progression. Now, sure, can she? Can there be like extreme situations where it triggers in her and she slides back slightly? Yes, but it can't be every storyline. Or it can't be in a pattern where it's like, all right, this storyline she's fine, and next storyline she's not, and this storyline she's fine, and the next storyline she's not. It would have to be just as erratic and as unpredictable as those types of disorders typically are portrayed anyways. That's all we're saying, is that, no, she shouldn't be cured, but from a comics reading standpoint, just as I was saying earlier in this episode, if you're going to start start a story arc, what was the status quo at the beginning, and what was it at the end? What has changed? If you're if you are taking not just panels, but you're also taking page time away from the main story or within the main story to focus specifically on Jessica Cruz and her issues that she has, then what is the end result there has she learned to deal with it slightly better has she learned a new way to deal with it has she found a new support system has she discovered a b c doesn't matter what is the new thing we have learned in the way that she processes this if you're just showing her freak out for the sake of showing her freak out to remind everybody oh she's got this disorder that doesn't help the reader And that doesn't help the character. She can certainly freak out because that's in her nature and that's who this character is. But it can't be all the time and it needs to show some progression. It can. It it, it can. Definitely. I think just because we're all human, I think we could even identify when we have progression and backslide. We're not saying that it needs to be all progression all the time. She can definitely backslide. There could be things that set her back, and that could be an interesting story. But again, there needs to be some sort of evolution to that aspect of her life. As for the Simon stuff, at this point, I don't care. Um, As we said uh, before we even started tackling the specifics of, of the email, Obviously, we feel for the situation that you were in with your son. Nobody should have to go through stuff like that. Uh, I'm not arguing the merits of uh, of real-life situations having lasting effects on people. That's not the piece I'm saying I don't care about. What I'm saying I don't care about is Simon Baz as a character and the things going on with him. I, 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 I don't care. I just – they went ahead and they did this stupid Emerald Sight thing. They haven't bothered to even – one-eighth of the way explain that. They haven't done anything with that. They haven't done anything with the character of Simon Baz himself other than to, at the very beginning, make him an asshole so you can make Jessica Cruz more likable. And then now he's just... Don't get me wrong. Do I like their friendship and the fact that they're growing closer to one another? I do like that. I think that's cool. But that's also... 
not just a Simon thing. That's something I like because Jessica's there. If I were to take Simon by himself, what do I like about him in, 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 in the context of the Green Lanterns series? Nothing. I don't, there's nothing about this character that I care about. Does he have his issues with his family and his brother and his sister? Yeah. But then I also think, hey, Hal, or, or hey, hey, Simon, call Hal, ask him to set up a meeting between Nazir and your brother. <laughs> it's just so, like, the Green Lanterns, uh, the Green Lantern Earth families can just have their own little club and go, yeah, it's kind of difficult when they just leap off into space, but you also have to understand the context of the greater good of what they're doing, blah, 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 blah. Like, a great it, it, support group. Basically. <laughs> and, and, and it wouldn't even have to be a Green Lantern support group, just a superhero support group, you know? Like, it, it's just like. It's not that just, Nazir. Just call Guy Gardner's dad. No. <laughs> it's, not that, it's not that Nazir's point doesn't make sense. It's not that he doesn't have a point. The problem is. They keep throwing this at us, that it's a problem, that it's a problem, that it's becoming a worse of a problem and more and more of a thing, and then just not dealing with it. When, in all context, it's a small problem to have. And if there's something deeper behind it, if there's somewhere they're supposed to be going with it, or, excuse me, if there's somewhere Sam Humphreys is trying to go with it, he needs to get there. Because right now, the way it's coming across is that, at least in my perspective, and I've mentioned this before, and Mark, you've sort of disagreed with me to a slight extent, but from my perspective at least, I'll just reiterate it here, it almost comes across like Nazir's being selfish. And I've said that before, and I know, Mark, you've disagreed with me to an extent on, on, on that, that aspect, but just from my point of view, when I read this, and we get to, back to this Nazir thing, again – Prefacing, I don't care about Simon, the character of Simon Baz in the context of the Green Lantern's story. But if you want me to try and identify with somebody in this, isn't it kind of odd that I'm siding with a person I don't even care about? <laughs> Thinking that the other person is being selfish? Like, I really don't have a dog in the fight. If I don't care, have you done your job as a writer? That's all I'm saying. So I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't argue one way or the another on terms of the whole Simon side of things because they haven't made me care about the character. They've only made me care about the character in terms of him being a support system for Jessica. Simon Baz by himself, I don't care. No, you can, you, you, you can, you can make a case that in in order that it's Jessica. Jessica's ring, then Simon. It's more being interesting <laughs> looking at the main characters in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica's Jessica's ring is a hell of a lot more interesting to me than Simon is. <laughs> which which is which is not even Simon bashing onto itself because I think as we both have stated before, Simon was a hell of a lot more interesting character, even moving beyond that forced introduction issue which almost everybody hated. But he was a hell of a lot more interesting character during the Jeff Johns run than he certainly has been during this book. Mm. I mean, he's just because he, he wasn't an ass. He wasn't an ass back then, and now he is. Now they've been dialing it back, but but that, that, that's their own fault. 
They had to dial it back because they cranked it up just to make Jessica Cruz more likable. That is true. Yeah, they had to. That was their. It's their own fault. Not that they didn't have. Not that the character of Simon Baz was just on this high pedestal to begin with. So they didn't really like build him twenty stories up and then drop him down. They built him like he, he was already starting off on like a one story building. <laughs> so they just they broke his legs, but they didn't kill him. <laughs> but it's their own fault. They 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 did it to they did it to themselves in terms of Simon Baz. That is true. Was there another aspect of that email we forgot to cover? I'm just making sure here before we wrap up. I think we, I think we I think we really did cover all pretty much the base. I think we touched on pretty much everything. Um, generally speaking, again. Okay, sounds good. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, Mark, if they want to reach out to us the way that Corwin, the way that uh, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, there you go. Thank you. The way that Jimmy did, the way that Laurel did, how can they do that? Lanterncast at gmail.com. Visit our website, lanterncast.com. Uh, we'll have new episodes, and we're going to have more. St- we actually, I finally did publish at least our Facebook exclu- exclusive Ring Cyclopedia episode, our first one. Uh, so there'll be regular Ring Cyclopedia ones going back up too, but at least we kind of got off the schneid there. Uh, Twitter and Facebook, we are on both, so you can use hashtag GLCast to locate us on those, iTunes and Stitcher, whichever platform you listen to us on. Please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, Chad mentioned it before, so I'll mention it again. 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think and give us feedback. And as far as next episode goes, we have no idea yet, but it won't be an issue review episode. <laughs> well, it could be an well, issue review it won't episode. Be a, it won't be a regular issue continuity-wise. It won't be a Green Lanterns or Hal in the core review. That's what – Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, we always have to preface that because in theory, yeah, it could, whenever – like whether it's a sp- any episode of one of our spinoffs will probably be an issue review. We just mean it's not going to be a current issue review when we say that. It won't be one of the two ongoing books, so. All right, man. Sounds good. Uh, We'll talk to you later, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night.